Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Cherry Pickers Podcast, a podcast where we talk all things hockey. My name is Zach, aka Zoo, and I'm joined here by my co-host Brody. How's it going, my man? Ready for episode five? It's been a solid journey so far, and let's keep her going. I am ready, ready more than ever. Episode number five. We are excited to go. So let's just get right into it, Brody. I want to hit you with an absolute brain teaser fun fact. Um, This NHL season's been kind of wild. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, You want to know what's even more wild, Brody? What's more wild? What team, at the time of recording this, has the longest active win streak in the NHL? It would be the team south of the Edmonton Oilers in the Calgary Flames. You would be wrong. I'd be wrong. They lost last night, bud. 7-1 to one to the Canucks. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. They do not have a win streak active. Who has the longest win streak, Brody? Couldn't tell you, man. I don't know. <laughs> what if I told you, tied with the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Montreal Canadiens? That is a fun fact. I wouldn't have expected <laughs> Montreal. They're on a four-game win streak right now under head coach Martin St. Louis. Montreal is buzzing right now. Absolutely buzzing. So let's just kick things off and let's just start talking about Montreal a little bit. They've had, obviously, their struggles halfway through the season. It looks like they're coming back a little bit to form. Um, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about a goalie for Montreal. Let's talk about a guy by the name of Andrew Hammond. He uh, won his first game... In over four years of playing, he won uh, for Montreal there. First win in four years. What do you think of the Hamburglar, Andrew Hammond? You absolutely love to see it. Uh, the Hamburglar has been a solid goalie, and I'm not sure why he wasn't in the NHL the last four seasons, to be honest. But for him to come back and have a stellar performance and get another win, you you love to see it. Yeah, it's actually crazy that he hasn't played in four years. He gets a uh, start with the Montreal Canadiens, absolutely dominates, and uh, gets the W for them. The Montreal Canadiens have actually been pretty dang good lately, um, especially with Marty St. Louis as the head coach. Um, Cole Caulfield, he's been on a tear as well. I called it, folks. I called it. Cole Caulfield is going crazy now that he's under the guidance of uh, Martin St. Louis, former Tampa Bay Lightning legend. Um I've heard some reports as well that uh, the Canadians are looking to be aggressive upcoming in free agency. It looks like instead of a full-on rebuild, um, it looks like that they're going to be just a, doing like a retooling. They're going to be getting rid of probably a few players at the uh, at the trade deadline, you know, stay low in the standings, get a high pick, and then they're looking to buy, buy, buy in free agency. What do you think of that idea for the Montreal Canadiens? Um, I mean, I, I don't mind the idea. I know that they have some long-term contracts tied up and especially in Josh Anderson, and they would probably like to move Shea Weber and Carey Price is still on his deal of 10 and a half million. I'm not sure how many years left he has on that deal, but they're a team that's got term on quite a few contracts. So if they're going to want to go in and buy, 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 they're definitely going to have to clear out some cap space first, which is probably what they're going to look to do at the deadline. Yeah, the deadline, I think, is going to be an exciting one for the Montreal Canadiens. Like you were saying, they do have some long-term deals, you know, bringing in Christian Dvorak. Realistically, we got to remember, folks, 
This Montreal Canadiens team, granted, they have lost a few key players on their roster last year, but they made it to the Stanley Cup final last year. Yes, they did lose Philippe Deneau. They lost Shea Weber due to injury. They lost Price due to injury, you know, stuff like that. They lost Jesperi Kokaniemi as well. But this Montreal Canadian team is definitely better on paper than what they've actually been performing this year. I think that uh, injuries have definitely been a big factor, obviously, not only just Price and Weber, but they've rotated through a handful of goalies, more than you can count on one hand. And uh, I think, you know, I think this team does perform better when healthy, and they've just kind of had a rough go of things this year. So I do agree with you, Brody. Um, I do think that uh, retooling is going to be very interesting in the offseason. They do have to clear up some cap. Uh, Carey Price there, he's still signed for another four seasons with a full no-movement clause. So that's going to be interesting. See if uh, see if their new GM, Kent Hughes, can uh, move some cap around, open up some space, bring in some new free agents. I like, I like the team, honestly. I do like the team. They have some depth. Um, but it's just been injuries and just no performance, and they just haven't began it done this year. But... It seems like they're trying to turn things around, and it's exciting for them to see, especially, you know, Cole Caulfield, Marty St. Louis clicking there behind the bench for him. So, awesome to see in Montreal. Let's keep talking about them. Um, it sounds like they're definitely ready to move on from Ben Sherratt. It sounds like Ben Sherratt will be going at trade deadline or sooner. Um, another interesting thing I heard as well is that... Uh, it sounds like Kent Hughes isn't afraid to move Jeff Petrie around. It sounds like if the right deal comes along, he's going to have no hesitation to uh, pull the trigger and move Petrie. Um, Brody, what do you think are some possible destinations that Jeff Petrie could end up on? Ooh, um, I mean, he's a right shot defenseman, so he's definitely going to have interest from quite a few teams. I, I would say if Toronto can't get a hold of John Klingberg, Jeff Petrie might be a guy that they want to look into. I know Carolina was looking at some defensemen as well. Um, could definitely see him going to a team like that or even in the in the Western Conference, like a team like Colorado, I know they were shopping around looking for some defensemen as well as I think they were in on Ben Sherrod. So... There's definitely some options for Jeff Petrie, and I think there's a fair few teams he could go to, to be honest. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on the uh, Toronto aspect. I could definitely see Petrie going to Toronto, especially with uh, Jake Muzzin going to the LTIR now. Um, another team I was thinking of uh, that definitely could use a guy like Jeff Petrie on their team to bolster their blue line could be the Minnesota Wild, honestly. The Minnesota Wild are I don't know like they're definitely they're definitely overperforming this year they if you look at their depth they're not a depth team at all like you're looking at definitely if you're Minnesota looking at picking up some sort of offense at this trade deadline just looking at their forward core right now it is so lackluster Nick Bukestad Matt Boldy Brandon Duhame, um, Erickson X been all right. Fiala's been good. Marks Felino's definitely been playing better than expectations, but like Freddie Goudreau, uh, Jordan Greenway's out with an injury. Ryan Hartman, like they don't, they don't have the forward depth. So if you're Minnesota, I think that's definitely your first, uh, go-to, but their decor, it's, it's not all that great. Like, I mean, like it's not bad when it comes to players like Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodeen, uh, Matt in, or Matt Dumba's been out with an injury, so that doesn't help them, but realistically Kalen Addison, Jordy Ben, Dmitry Kulikov. It's it's kind of rough there, especially for right-handed shots for Minnesota. So I could see him going to a team definitely like Minnesota in the West. I feel like as uh as for Montreal, you don't want to trade him to the East, especially Toronto. So that one would be a little hard to see for Montreal to move there, but hey, if the fit if the fit works and the uh the offers right, then I mean, we might, you know, we might see it happen, but 
So, yeah, Montreal definitely ready to move uh, Ben Sherratt, maybe even move Jeff Petrie, but it sounds like Montreal isn't buying into the whole full rebuild ideal yet. So we'll have to keep tabs on that and see what uh, Montreal does coming closer to this deadline. And I'm also looking forward to uh, free agency as well. So that should be interesting. Um, let's talk about uh, two trades. Two trades happened this week in the NHL. Let's start with the uh, more lackluster one. We had the Arizona Coyotes trade Carter Hutton to the Toronto Maple Leafs for future considerations. What are your thoughts on that trade, Brody? Um, I mean, I like it for perspective of the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, when you're looking to stockpile picks like they have this year and Carter Hutton's not really a number one goalie in my opinion. I mean, he'll go to the Leafs and... He'll be under Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic, so he'll be more like a third-string goalie. So I like the trade for both teams. Um, I feel like the Leafs have depth at goalie now if they need it, and Arizona's getting probably a future draft pick of some sort. So that's definitely something that the Arizona Coyotes could use going forward. So for me, I, I see a fit for, for both sides on that one. Yeah, if you're the Arizona Coyotes, you are definitely trying to tank for that first overall this year. And I think getting rid of, uh, I wouldn't say Carter Hutton's had a great season, but getting rid of, you know, the more consistent NHL goalies on your roster definitely helps you, you know, <laughs> lose more games than is expected. But uh, I like the trade a lot for Toronto, um, giving some, you know, some depth in their uh, goaltending uh, system. Just in case, you never know what would happen. Um coming up to playoffs or in playoffs um you have two nice goalies there you got jack campbell and you got peter Morazic. but like i said you never know what could happen in case an injury does happen they have that you know solid goalie that can fill in that injury spot so i definitely like the trade for toronto uh interested to see what the return actually is instead of future considerations so we'll keep tabs on that as well but let's talk about the uh bigger uh <laughs> toronto arizona trade i don't know why this one wasn't thrown in I, I don't know why this trade wasn't thrown in in the uh, originally because this was the first trade that came out of Arizona and Toronto. Um, Toronto trades Nick Ritchie and a second round pick to Arizona for uh, forward Ryan Dezingle and defenseman Ilya Labushkin. Um, Toronto then goes to place Ryan Dezingle on waivers, um, trying to send him down to the minors, and San Jose claims Dezingle, so... Basically, long story short, the trade is Nick Ritchie and a second for Labushkin. Who do you think wins this trade, Brody? Um. Well, first of all, I mean, it's it's a choice of a 2023 second or a 2025 third-round pick. It's up to the uh, the Arizona Coyotes on what they want. Um, but for the trade, I mean, I, I like it for the Leafs. I mean, when you're adding a defenseman, a decent defensive defenseman in Labushkin, and I know they got rid of Dezingle. I think it was for cap reasons that they had to yeah. move him on waivers. Um, so for the Leafs, I like that that pickup of getting a solid defenseman. Uh, for the Coyotes, I mean, Nick Ritchie, he's like a – I believe he's a strong power forward. I yes. don't really know too much about him, but um, I think he'll add to the depth in their bottom six. I mean, it's not a huge pickup for the Coyotes, but – it's a it's a solid player. He will help in their bottom six. A physical player. He'd probably help on the PK. Um, chip in a little bit here and there offensively. So personally, I think it's a better deal for the Leafs. But depending what that draft pick turns out to be for Arizona, you, you never know. 
I think honestly, the winner of this trade here, I think the winner of this trade honestly is Nick Ritchie. Like Nick Ritchie goes from playing, you know, five years with Anaheim, two years with Boston, then he signs a big deal with the Leafs and uh, just couldn't get it done with the Leafs. Only nine points in 33 games, uh, minus six on a high scoring uh, Leafs team. So I think realistically, this is this is such a win for Nick Ritchie because of the fact that he goes from one of the hottest hockey markets in the league where the pressure is always there to perform, especially if you're a decent free agent signing, you're signing a, a decent sized contract. The expectation there is just to perform and get the puck in the net and stuff like that. But he obviously isn't getting it done. He wasn't uh, gelling well with the Leafs. So now he has the chance, you know, to go to Arizona, a team that has literally zero, if not less, expectations. And he's obviously going to crack a roster spot for them. And here's the time now for Nick Ritchie really just to, you know, start uh, start getting back into your, you know, your role and start uh, start playing better and uh, growing when there's no expectations put on you. You got to think, Nick Ritchie, he's really not that bad of a player. Like, he had 26 points in 56 games with the Bruins in the COVID lockout season. 15 of those were goals. Um, he scored more than 10 goals in a season three times in his career. So he's not a bad little uh, strong forward that can uh, put the puck in the net for you here and there. So I think Nick Ritchie is definitely the winner of this trade. Um, definitely good for Arizona too as well. Um you know, with them trying to, you know, tank for Shane Wright to get rid of another roster defenseman. So they get rid of a roster defenseman and a roster goalie, which is obviously only going to hurt them, which is kind of what they want. But uh, I think it's good for Toronto too. Like you said, Dezingle did have to get sent through waivers because of cap reasons. After Dezingle was claimed, I think Toronto's something at only like $9,000 clear of cap space. So Toronto's in a little bit of a pickle there, but... Uh, Picking up a defenseman like Labushkin is very nice for Toronto, especially with Jake Muzzin going to IR. Um, it's going to be good for Toronto to have a little bit more defensive depth, especially if uh, defensemen like Justin Hole and stuff are struggling a little bit. So good trade all around. I think both teams win out of that. I think Nick Ritchie wins out of that. I think Labushkin wins out of that too. So that's a good trade there. That's uh, two trades that happened this week that uh, that went down in the NHL. So uh, speaking of what happened in the week, the NHL announced their three stars this week. First star of the week was uh, Calgary Flames center Elias Lindholm. He had a seven-game goal streak, which is pretty awesome. Uh, he was one game shy of tying, uh, or no, I think he actually did tie the 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 game streak with Joe McGinley for most goals in uh, in games. But uh, yeah, he was one game short. Couldn't get it done in that loss to the Canucks. Uh, second star of the week is defenseman from the Florida Panthers, Aaron Ekblad. And then third star of the week, goalie for the Dallas Stars, Jake Ottinger. And Jake Ottinger, man, he's had a great season. I feel for him, you know. Dallas has been such a fringe, borderline, not making the playoffs team. And Jake Ottinger has definitely been having a, uh absolute crazy good season. Him, Pavelski, uh, Jake, uh, not Jake, sorry, uh, Robertson. What's his name? Rob Robertson, what's his name? Uh, I believe it's Jason Robertson. Jason, thank you. Jason Robertson. Yeah, he's had a heck of a season, too. So, kind of sucks that... Uh, you know, their team's not performing, especially with Joe Pavelski getting to that age. Sounds like the Stars are trying to uh, re-sign Joe Pavelski, which is going to be interesting. The Stars have just been, you know, one of those teams, Brody, that have been, like, good in the regular season, absolutely cannot get it done in the playoffs, and they really haven't shooken up their, you know, core roster lately. Do you think Dallas starts to make some moves at this uh, deadline, try to get in a playoff position, or do you think they're going to be sellers this year? Um... I think that they're going to be sellers, and the reason I say this is because 
Jamie Ben is on, I believe his cap hit is nine point five million. I think he's it is, yeah. He's probably pushing mid thirties now. His his scoring production with Tyler Sagan has started to decline. Um I would want to move them out for for good prospects, good young players. Like Jason Robertson's a great player. You definitely want to hold on to him. If Dallas is looking to move John Klingberg as well, for me, I, I see them as being more sellers. I see them trading all of those guys for good draft picks to to get a good pipeline of young players coming in and building for the future while still staying competitive. So for me, I see Dallas being more of a seller. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's so tough, man, because like, Dallas right now, at the time of recording this, is tied with Edmonton, uh, literally straight across the board. Both teams have 51 games played. They're both 28, 10, uh, 20, and 3, 59 points. They both have 25 regulation overtime wins. So they're literally tied with Edmonton for that last wildcard spot in the West. But I think I agree with you. I think even if they do squeak into these playoffs, I don't see them as contenders. And I definitely think they're a first-round exit. But going back to uh, Jay Godinger. He's been such a bright spot for the Dallas Stars. You look at Holtby. Uh, Holtby has a 9-10-1 record with a 9-12 and a 2-78. You look at Hudobin, who has a 3-4-1 record with an 8-79 and a 3-64. But then you look at Ottinger, and he has a 16-6-1 record with a shutout, a 9-21 and a 2-26. So, as you you can obviously tell there that Ottinger is feeling his stride there in Dallas, and he's just been he's been the backbone for their team, and it's just tough to see when a player or a goalie is just playing you know lights out for the team, and the team just can't get it done around them. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, Jason Robertson actually forty seven points in forty three games this year, twenty two goals. I think this is only his sophomore year too, so that's cool. That's really good to see. Joe Pavelski, 54 points in 51 games. Rupa Hints, 43 and 49, but it drops off after there. Like we're talking Sagan is their fourth highest scorer and he's got 29 points in 51 games. So yeah, I think I agree with you there, Brody. I do think Dallas is going to be sellers this year. They're not going to be able to get it done with their current core. So We'll have to uh, keep tabs on that. We're I'm so excited for trade deadline, man. We're less than a month away now, and uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. This uh, flat salary cap is making things very interesting. So excited for that. We're going to keep tabs on uh, trade rumors and whatnot as the time comes. Um, if we're talking about feel-good stories as well, Brody, Patrick Laine. Holy man. He is on fire again. He's got points in 11 straight games for the Blue Jackets. Like I said earlier at the start of this episode, Blue Jackets tied for the Canadians with the longest active win streak right now. They have a four-game win streak, and uh, they're currently, well, they're still nine points out of a wild card spot, but uh, there is life. There's definitely life, especially with Patrick Laine performing. Uh, what do you think about Patty Laine? How is he, how, how do we, what do you think about him? <laughs> Patty Line is a goal scoring machine right now, man. What has he got? Like thirteen goals or something like that? Yeah, something like that. During that during that during that run, yeah, yeah he's been he's been on another level and man, that guy can frick like he can shoot the puck like crazy. Like he's got an absolute rocket of a shot and when he's on, man, he can score from Will. Like I've I believe he got a five goal game against the St. Louis he Blues did, yeah. a few years ago. Like this guy can pop off and Right now, he's producing for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and it's nice to see him producing again because there was a little while where he was really struggling to put the puck in the net and produce offensively. So for Liney to get on a roll like this is is great for the team, and hopefully he can keep it going. 
Yeah, it's nice to see Columbus starting to come around a little bit. Their core honestly isn't that bad. They're 7-3-0 in their last 10. It's nice to see uh, Merz Lincolns. Merz Lincolns is having one heck of a season as well for the Blue Jackets. Um, but yeah, Patty Laine, 36 points in 32 games this year, 19 of those being goals. He's their third like leading scorer on the Blue Jackets. And he's played about 17 less games than other guys like Voracek and Bjorkstrand and Wierenski and stuff. So it's good to see Patty Line is going crazy right now. <laughs> it's nice to see him come back to form. And you hate to see it when, you know, a second overall player starts to struggle. And he's been through so much in his personal life recently. And it's nice to see him get back on his feet. So, yeah, Patty Line is going crazy. Speaking of goal scoring machines, well, maybe not machines. If anything, he's a he's a pest machine. Scory Perry, Corey Perry, baby, scored his 400th career goal. Congratulations to Corey Perry. Um, man, as a Flames fan, I, I, I can't get around it, man. I don't like the guy, but he's had success. He's won a cup. He's won what? He's won one or two. He's won one, right? Or is it two? It might be two. Um, Did he win one when he was with Tampa Bay? No, he, uh, he. I think he just signed with Tampa this year. I think he, he just signed with Tampa. Yes, yeah. he was Montreal last year, and then he lost in the Cup Finals. So he's been to Cup Finals. He won one ring in 07 with the Ducks. But uh, yeah, 400 career goals. What do you think about that, Brody? Well, I uh, I gotta agree with you on that one. I I hate Corey Perry personally, <laughs> <laughs> being a, a fan of a rival team. But there's no denying he's had a great career and. Uh, he's a Stanley Cup champion, and that 2007 Ducks team was – it was ridiculous. Disgusting. That team was just stacked. And, uh, yeah, he's had a great career, and he's been there uh, even a couple of times after his Cup. Uh, he lost with the Dallas Stars, unfortunately, to Tampa. Right. Then he went to Montreal and lost again to Tampa. <laughs> so if you can't beat him, why not join yeah, him? Exactly. And now he's on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and <laughs> they're having a good season there. And, yeah, for 400 goals, is uh, it's, it's great to see. And – Hopefully you can keep that going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't beat him, join him. And that's what he's trying to do. It reminds me of, uh, you remember Marion Hosa back in 08, 09. And then uh, I think it was 9, 10 when uh, <laughs> he played on the Penguins, lost to the Red Wings in the cup final. And then it was a flip flop and he played for the Red Wings and lost to the Penguins in the next year in the cup final. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit, but uh, yeah, Corey Perry, 400 career goals. Congratulations to him as much as we despise him. He's had a heck of a season, and congrats to him. Speaking of uh, <laughs> unlikable slash despisable players, let's talk about a guy that uh, came out of retirement after 10 years of not playing, signed a professional deal in the ECHL, and uh, just got released today. <laughs> Sean Avery, man. What a guy. What a personality. Um, signed an ECHL, uh, walk on trial pretty much with the, uh, what was it? Orlando, what's their name? Orlando solar bears. That's what their name is in the ECHL. Um, got released four days later. What do you think happened there, Brody? Uh, probably just too old to really compete. I mean, he's what, 41 years old now. He hasn't played in forever. It's probably just, just probably just his conditioning just wasn't there for, what he was uh, signing up to play. I mean, that's still a professional league. And yeah, when you haven't played in 10 years and you're trying to shake off the rust in a short amount of time, it's, it's tough to, to get up to speed real quick. And I think that's just what happened. I think it was just his age caught up to him and he just wasn't able to get up to speed. I have to ask, did you see what Matthew Barnaby said about the whole situation? I didn't see it actually. No. <laughs> so, 
There was rumors that Sean Avery was going to sign with the Solar Bears, and Barnaby basically came out on Twitter and said, uh, if the Solar Bears sign Sean Avery, I will sign a contract to any team in the same division and play as many minutes a night that I did in the NHL. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that have been absolutely awesome to see, you know, 40-year-old Barnaby and Sean Avery out there dropping the gloves and scrapping every single night in the ECHL? That would have been absolutely hilarious to see. <laughs> I'm just picturing it now. That was that would be hilarious. But yeah, Barnaby, he came out and he was not having any of it, but doesn't matter anymore. Sean Avery did get released by the Solar Bears. Couldn't crack their roster. So <laughs> kind of funny. Um, let's talk about players that are on roster, specifically in the NHL. I want to talk about a player that uh, he's gotten so much criticism in his uh, career so far, but he's having a good season. Uh, let's talk about Jesperi Kakaniemi for a bit, Brody. Um, Jesperi Kakaniemi tied his season high in goals this year. And he's played uh, 33 less games than uh, his normal season high. What do you think about Kakaniemi's play with the uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes this year? Uh, I think it's a pretty good fit for him. I mean, he is producing more offensively. I'm going to be honest, I haven't really looked too much into his stats. But when you say he's tied his career high in goals in 33 uh, less games, he must be doing something, right? And Carolina's a much deeper team than Montreal is. He's probably under less pressure as well, not being in a Canadian market and being such a young kid. I believe he was a third overall third pick overall by the Canadians. Third overall pick to Montreal, yeah. Yeah, so he definitely has less pressure playing in an American market, uh, not as much media attention there. And, yeah, um, it's definitely great to see. Um, he's on a really good team, and he's probably going to be gearing up for a cup run. I mean, Carolina could definitely go on a deep run this year. They're a very good team. And it's just funny that uh, – Montreal tried to offer sheet Sebastian Ajo <laughs> and then Carolina just goes right back at him with Jesperi Kakaniemi and I believe it was a six million dollar offer sheet and then they also put in like a twenty dollar signing yeah, bonus so or something long, like that yeah uh, yeah so long story short I, I I made a YouTube video about this it's actually it's one of my best performing YouTube videos uh your boy Zoo on YouTube if you haven't checked me out yet um long story short yeah, so Sebastian Ajo was offer sheeted in 2019 by the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, or, uh, yeah, and uh, Carolina, obviously they were going to match it. Sebastian Ajo, he's top 20 player in the league. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes uh, Twitter account had a heyday with that one. They, uh, they posted a poll on Twitter. They said, do we match the offer sheet? And the two options in the poll were yes or we. <laughs> so obviously carolina matched the offer sheet and then fa uh, fast forward to one year later um the carolina hurricanes offer sheet yes barry cockney it's a six million dollar contract and the signing bonus was twenty dollars to represent sebastian ajo's jersey number 20 so pretty funny stuff there between the two teams you love to see a little bit of uh pittiness pittiness is it's so funny in in major sports to see you know organizations professional organizations be so pity towards each other um, but yeah, Jesperi Kakaniemi, his career high is 11 goals in 80 games. Now he's not meant to be a goal scorer. He's one of those two way playmaking kind of guys. So, but he has 11 goals and 11 assists in uh, 47 games this year. And he's a plus two on Carolina. So it's nice to see him bounce back a little bit. Um, his deal is going to expire after this year. So we'll have to see what happens if he, you know, stays with Carolina. Obviously he's gelling well with them. So I don't see why he would stay with them, take a less, uh, 
less contract hit and uh, signed back with the Hurricanes. But nice to see a guy like that. Like like you said, he's not playing in the Canadian market anymore, so there's a lot less pressure off of his shoulders. But it's nice to see him bounce back and start uh, producing again and having a great season with the Hurricanes. So, yeah, Jesperi Kakaniemi having a good year. Nice to see him bounce back. And, uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about in this episode, Brody? Uh, there's a few topics. I mean, we could, t- we could talk about uh, Johnny Gaudreau. He's got a, I believe he's a pending UFA, and the Flames assistant GM is confident that they'll be able to re-sign him. I don't know if you heard much about that, but... I did a little um, bit, yeah. Yeah, Craig Conroy, the assistant GM of uh, the Flames, basically came out and said, yeah, there's no question we're going to re-sign Johnny Goudreau after the season. That's a huge relief off of the uh, shoulders of Flames fans, myself included. Johnny Goudreau has been having a absolutely wonderful season with the Flames so far. Just pulling up his stats here real quick. But uh, yeah, having a guy like that... Uh, being able to, you know, he's been having a career year. He's been helping that Flames, you know, with that 10-game win streak, and they've been working as a unit. But that top line between him, Kachuk, and Goudreau, if we can get them all long-term, I know uh, Kachuk's also a restricted free agent, so that's going to complicate things a little bit. But uh, if we can get that line together uh, long-term, it's going to be wonderful for the Flames. But, yeah, Johnny Goudreau, 20 goals, 44 assists for 64 points in 50 games this year. And if I'm not mistaken, he still, I think, leads the league in plus-minus with a plus-39. So, awesome to see. Um, yeah, just don't know what uh, the year length and the uh, average uh, value is going to be. So, that's a little concerning because the Flames are pretty close to the uh, their uh, max cap. So, I'm a little worried what the Flames are going to do there. But uh, it's nice to see that uh, Goudreau is obviously having positive talks with the organization and wants to come back to Calgary. There, I know there was a lot of people saying if Calgary wasn't going to com- compete this year, uh, Goudreau would consider maybe going back to a team like New Jersey or Philadelphia that's right close to home. But uh, yeah, good to hear that they're having positive conversations about extending him. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Anything else, Brody? Uh yeah, I wanna I wanna ask you this. Mm-hmm. So, if the Flames are confident that they're gonna be able to sign Johnny Goudreau, what about Matthew Kachuk? Because like you said, he is an RFA, and I believe his qualifying offer is like nine mil or something. Like it it's up there it's like this off season. So, and they gotta sign him. They gotta sign Mangiapane. They gotta sign Shillington. Like that's a lot of their good young players that they're gonna have to sign and. With 27 million cap space, uh, like I, I feel like Gaudreau and Kachuk would eat up a fair bit of that. So yeah, you're right. I don't you're know right what do you think that. about that. You're right about that. Um, it's a little concerning. Yes, don't get me wrong, but I think the Flames realize how much value Kachuk and Gaudreau bring to that roster, and I don't see why you know uh, Brad Tree leaving doesn't do something to keep those guys around. Whether it be uh, moving players with high cap hit, um, I'm really hoping Lucic isn't on the uh, chopping block. I know Lucic has such a big contract, only one more year left on it, but uh, he's been such a locker room guy for that team, and he's been helping out all the young guns coming up and uh, very good morale in the locker room. But uh, maybe some guy like Sean Monahan. Um, I've heard uh, I've heard reports as well that Mangiapane's agent is telling him to test the free agent market. Uh, he is restricted, so that could backfire in the Flames' uh, position, but it could also help them out a little bit, you know, clear up some caps so they have some time and space to sign Mangiapane. He's having a heck of a season too, so he's going to be asking for a little bit more. He's got 26 goals already this season, so it's going to be interesting. I know the Flames are definitely coming to a crunch here, and uh, 
Tree Living's gonna have to work some magic. I'm hoping he pulls a Joe Sackick and you know, like uh, like a like a, a Nate Mac uh, contract and try and get them, you know, just sign a sign a cap like friendly deal with the team so they can keep them all together. But we're gonna have to see how this year goes. We're gonna have to see how the playoffs go as well. The Flames are currently sitting first in the Pacific. They've got what three points, I think, on. Uh, Three points on LA and uh, Vegas, and they got a couple games of hand over those teams, so they're definitely pushing for the playoffs. It's all going to depend, you know, on their playoff success if they hopefully, fingers crossed, have any. And uh, I guess we'll have to see in the off season where that goes. So, any more things to talk about, Brody? I do, and uh, this is going to suck for uh, for Leafs fans to hear. It was definitely tough to hear for myself as well. Uh, Leafs prospect Rodian Amarov. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Uh, he started the season with Salavat UFA of the KHL. He suffered an injury to open the season, but during the course of his recovery, he developed some new unrelated symptoms that required ongoing extensive investigation, according to GM Kyle Dubas. And he's currently at a medical facility in Germany undergoing treatment for a brain tumor. So that's definitely tough to see. And what are your thoughts on that one? It sucks, man. It really does suck. And a brain tumor is definitely nothing to joke around with. I'm glad that uh, they recognize it early. They're getting them in for treatments early. Um, you hate to see it happen, especially with such a prospect of his caliber. Like you said, he was a former first-round pick for the Leafs. So it really does suck to see something like that happen. And uh, all you can do, you know, is just sit there and hope for the best for him. Hope he has a super speedy recovery and... Uh, Hope he gets back to playing the game he loves. So prayers for him and uh, let's hope he can bounce back maybe even better than ever. So anything else? I do. And we can't end the podcast without talking about Big Z. Past Chris Chelios for first on the NHL's all-time games played for defensemen at 1,652 games for Big Z, which is absolutely crazy. Like, this guy has been in the NHL since before I was born, <laughs> playing for the for the New York Islanders. I think his rookie season was, like, 1996 or something like that. Like, he's been around for a long time, Stanley Cup champion with the Boston Bruins in 2011. This guy's an absolute menace on the ice, and good for him to still be playing at 44. And teams are still interested in this guy as well. Come deadline time, there has been talk about Zidane Chara, so that's great to see. And what are your thoughts about Big Z passing Chris Chelios? Well, how fitting is it that Zidane Chara gets into a fight in that game? <laughs> that's very fitting. <laughs> gets into a fight in his record-setting game. That sounds just like Zidane Chara, but... Yeah, what an absolute crazy career he's had. Multiple Stanley Cup wins and uh, bounced around a couple teams, especially lately in his uh, last few seasons here. But an absolute shutdown defenseman. You can't, you know, talk about Zidane Chara without talking about his six foot nine height. Like, guy's a monster. Absolute lockdown defenseman. Plays physical, plays with heart. And uh, I think really the key driving factor for why he's able to play so long is how good he is in physical shape. Like, you see some of the photos online of Zidane Chara, 40 plus years old, and he's got an absolute rip six pack, and he's just he's just a machine. Like he is out of this world when it comes to physical health, and that definitely has to play a factor in uh in why he's been able to play so long. So it's cool to see another one of those records in the NHL being broken, a very long, you know, winded record that so, you know, some of these records we thought we'd never see in a lifetime being broken. So it's cool to see them all, especially within one season with uh, Keith Yandel and then uh, and then Zidane Chara. So, yeah, 
congrats to Zdeno Chara there. Um, very cool to see. You love to see it, really. So, <laughs> anything else, Brody? That's pretty much gonna do it for me, man. Uh, don't have really any other topics to talk about for the week. So yeah, this week was a little bit uh, lackluster in terms of how last week went. But before we wrap up this podcast, I would like to talk about what's going on in the world right now. Um, obviously, you should know that uh, Russia has invaded Ukraine, and um, it's very scary over there. I've seen so many posts online and. Uh, so many people terrified for the future and what's about to happen, but uh, we wish all the people in the country of Ukraine the best of luck. Um, we wish them all to stay safe, and uh, our thoughts and condolences are with everyone in the country of Ukraine. Thoughts and prayers are, are with everyone over there in Ukraine, and hope everyone stays healthy, stays safe, and just uh, pray for all the people with loved ones in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But that is going to do it for episode number five of the Cherry Pickers podcast. We appreciate all of you for coming in and tuning in and following along with us as we uh, dive into the news and the world of hockey. Um, our podcast is available on all streaming platforms, whether it be Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Um, we upload an episode every single Sunday at 12 o'clock Mountain Time. And we appreciate you all for listening and take care.